good to see you all. Let's make our confession tonight. The Word of God, God. it's truth. truth. If I live the Word, I I will be blessed. blessed. If I don't, I I won't. won't. It's just that simple. Amen. It's an honor for me to share tonight. Um, We have some guests here, so uh, I'll introduce myself. My name's Dan. My wife, Kelly, we're the student ministry pastors here at Victory. And um, you all need to come back when our pastors are here, okay? And uh, it's it's an honor for me to share, and uh, it always is. And um, I'm thankful for the anointing of God tonight. Amen? And so I'm counting on y'all to, uh, to come with faith because, and to be here in faith with open hearts and open minds because um, um, I think a big part of the effectiveness of the word is the hunger and the faith of the people. Amen? Amen. And so if we're ready to receive, then God will be faithful and he'll pour out his word tonight and uh, he'll bring a change in our lives. And uh, we had a special weekend, uh, Kelly and I did, this past weekend, and it really uh, reminded me and uh, it, Im- it was impactful for me um, and reminded me that uh, the thing that really matters in our lives is the impact that we're having on people. And uh, what we're, what, how we're treating people and the impact that we're having on all the people in our lives. And uh, about probably, uh, it would have been over 15 years ago, on a Wednesday night, we had a, a sixth grader uh, come to Blaze, uh, to, to the student ministry. And a um, little guy about this big about this big around, weighed about 50 pounds. I'm exaggerating, but he was really skinny. And um, his name was Giorgio. And, uh, and he came for the first time and then uh, didn't have a ride home. And so uh, I gave him a ride home, and, and he was in the back of my car. And uh, on, on the way to his house, um, I asked him, I said, hey, what's your, because he, w- he wouldn't say a word, extremely shy, and uh, wouldn't say a word. He didn't know if he could trust me. He didn't know who I was. You know, really, he had been to service, but, but he, didn't, he didn't know who I was or who we were or who the church was, you know. And, uh, and so I asked him who his favorite NBA team was, and he said the Charlotte Hornets. And, uh, and, and so that's about all he said. And I said, oh, okay, cool. They got some good players. And we talked about it. Or he didn't talk. I talked. But so then the following Wednesday, um, he came back. And uh, I saw him on Wednesday and uh, went over to him. And I said, man, did you, did you see that Charlotte Hornets game? And uh, his face lit up. And he recognized that I remembered what he said the week before. And uh, Giorgio and I developed a, a special relationship uh, over the years, a great friendship. And um, he eventually uh, led worship for us over there. And uh, he has quite a background. Uh, he was born in Mississippi. He's never met his father. His mother died of a drug overdose when he was eight years old. He was given to his grandmother. His grandmother died a couple of years later. Um, he has, uh, I think, six brothers and sisters. And so they were all given to an aunt. And that aunt didn't feel like she could handle all of them. And so they shipped Giorgio from Mississippi up to Lafayette, Indiana, by himself, away from his brothers and sisters. So he was up here with another aunt with uh, six other cousins. And um, that's how he got here in sixth grade. And so by the time he was a sophomore over there, he was leading worship. And uh, those were the days when we had over 200 young people coming. And a big part of it was the anointing on his life uh, that attracted people. And um, fast forward a lot of years, uh, 
He, uh, well, actually, he wound up living with us uh, his senior year for a little while. And um, did I tell you the story about my dad and the mattress? <laughs> so my dad was over uh, uh, one weekend right before Giorgio was going to move in, and we needed to buy a bed for him because we didn't have an extra one. And so uh, my dad helped me. We went in, uh, to one of the furniture, furniture stores. I had the Suburban with the trailer behind, and we picked up the mattress, and we threw it in the trailer. And... My dad said what Greg Hatfield, what Mark would have said. Do you think we ought to tie that down? I was like, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so we're flying down 52 where the golf course is, the municipal golf course. Mm, my dad and I are having a good time talking, you know. We're excited because, you know, recognize that we're doing something special for, for someone. And I look back, and the mattress goes, Landed in the median. So by the time I got, and thankfully it was in one of those plastic bags, by the time I got down, did a U-turn, came back, and picked up the mattress, somebody was already pulling over in a pickup truck, throwing it in the back of his truck. And I said, I know strong people. Put that back. So, no. <laughs> but, so we threw it in the trailer, made it home. But uh, that's the story about the mattress. So, but um, this past, uh, you know, fast forward several years, um, uh, uh, Giorgio got off track a little bit in life. He got into a wrong relationship, and uh, that relationship uh, kind of soured some things for him, and he got on a detour in life, and uh, took him about eight years, but he got through uh, IU. Uh, he graduated, put himself through college, and uh, just graduated uh, about a year ago from IU, uh, got a job. Uh, he's got a great job in Cincinnati, and... Um, and then, then he met a, a wonderful person, and uh, God has uh, blessed him, and we're so excited for him because uh, they, they, um, uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. We met her about a, uh, a year ago in October. She, do you have that picture of Giorgio? Um, and and uh, she came to Blaze one night. We had this uh, get-together, and uh, uh, he brought her to Blaze, and we met her, and instantly we were like, this is a wonderful human being, <laughs> you know, a lot of, okay, it's like if we have a guest that comes into Blaze, you want the kids to put on their, their best face, you want them to, uh, uh, to represent the ministry well, right, Giorgio hadn't been there in a long time, and, and she had never been there, so I, you know, uh, it's not that you want to impress anybody, but you want to be like, hey, things are going well, and, and I wanted to show them, that, hey, things are going well, and, and I wanted her uh, to think that he was a part of a quality program, right, and so that was kind of running through my mind, and there were some kids over here that didn't quite look right, and these kids were disheveled and this wasn't going quite right and she immediately jumped in grabbed a trash bag and was picking up dirty plates and uh and and rather than looking down on kids that weren't quite right you could immediately see her heart to reach out to kids and have a heart for them and and so we immediately recognized it's like this is an awesome person Giorgio you have found the right one and uh my wife's good at that so she told him you found the right one So they, they just got married this past weekend, and it reminded me that the thing that the only thing that you and I are taking into eternity are the people that we touch, the lives that we impact. Amen? That's the only thing that's going to be with us forever. All these other, we all want to be successful. We, we all want to be successful and have good things and, and do good things and do exciting things and have a great life. Of course we do. But the only thing that's going to last forever are the people that we touch. Amen? 
And so, you know, going down to that wedding, he, he actually, he paid for, our, uh, Kelly and I, he paid for our plane tickets uh, to go. He paid for our uh, first night in an expensive place on the beach. And uh, they treated us. Uh, he had us sit at the head table as his parents uh, with her parents and absolutely treated us like royalty. It was amazing. I, I was like telling her family, no, no, we're not this good. Stop treating us so nice. <laughs> but it just, uh, it reminded, it, it really encouraged me that, you know, all the people that we interact with on a daily basis, we, it's important we continue to make a difference, continue to reach out to people, amen, continue to impact lives, even, even who the world would, would call insignificant people people that don't matter, the people that the world doesn't care about, it's important that you and I care about these people. Amen? 2016 is going to be a great year for you, and it's going to be a great year for me. Amen? And um, uh, five years ago, um, we had a, uh, went through the most difficult time in our life. We got sued. Uh, we were in a uh, business partnership, and we got uh, sued by a group and uh, for $600,000, and, and, and so um, I just got out my checkbook, and, and I wrote, no, I didn't, didn't do that. <laughs> so it was, you know, we met with an attorney, and we talked through it, and, and he was like, yeah, if they want to pursue this, that the judge could rule that you have to repay this. It's like, ah, that's going to take a while. <laughs> that's going to be difficult. <laughs> you know, amortize 600000 over... 20 years, it's 4,500 bucks a month or something. I mean, it's a lot, right? So pretty difficult. And, and so I was asking the Lord what to do about the situation. And, um, you know, 99% of the difficult things that we've ever been through has not been her fault, hasn't been God's fault, it's been my fault. And, you know, and I think most of us could probably say that, that the difficult things that we go through in life are our own fault. And so because of that, maybe it's a little bit more difficult for us to think that God would supernaturally deliver us from those things that we know are our own fault. Amen? Everybody say, His grace, grace. is sufficient for me. You may have made horrible mistakes a week ago, a month ago, yesterday. Your mistakes and my mistakes, they don't define us. They don't define who we are. Amen? The world says someone who's, who has committed a felony is a felon. And, and, and so the world makes it difficult for that person to move forward because they're labeled a felon. God never said anyone is a felon. Amen? God says we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that we need to, to thank him for his grace. And, and if some records need to be expunged or whatever needs to happen to allow you to move forward, God can do that for you. Amen? That's just one example. The world says alcoholic. God says we're redeemed, saved, rescued. Amen? The world puts labels on people and calls people things. God doesn't do that. The word of God does not do that. Amen? We need to know what God's Word says about us. See ourselves as God's Word says us. Tonight, uh, the title of the Word, I believe it's a word for us for 2016, says uniquely qualified. And uh, everybody say, I am uniquely, uniquely qualified. qualified. Amen. And when, when that situation happened to us, um, I was asking the Lord what to do about it. And um, writing in my journal and... Um, 
And then I felt like the Lord gave me this word. He says, when you have gone through and overcome significant adversity in life, you are uniquely qualified to do specific and great things related to that adversity. Thus, you should greet every new adversity with great joy and an unwavering anticipation of the good things to come as a result of your unique qualifications. Amen? That's the way to look at adversity. Amen? That God can use the adversity that we go through, even if we cause it ourselves. He can use that adversity because we'll have unique qualifications that God can use to allow us to do great things related to that adversity. Amen? That we would not otherwise be qualified for. The uh, muscle building process. I was hoping Rodney was going to be here because we could both take off our shirts and and show you a tremendous contrast. No one wants to see that. Well, y'all want to see Rodney. You don't want to see me. But right. So um, we could show this tremendous contrast between someone who has put his muscles under tremendous adversity from age 15 to age 50. How old is he? 49. 49. Looks, looks better than 90% of 18-year-olds. Incredible example of someone who disciplined over the years and put his mund- muscles under adversity. Look what happens when we put our muscles under adversity. I'm not a very good example. He would be. Okay, lifting heavy weight causes tears or damages the muscle fibers, which causes the immune system to spring into action and it's to send in proteins called cytokines. Perhaps they're called cytokines. And these cytokines work together with other cells to rebuild the damaged muscle fibers, and the result is healthier, stronger, and bigger muscles. So in order for muscles to grow, they must be put in an adverse situation. They must face adversity in order for the body to send forth the necessary proteins to repair and rebuild. Amen? John 16, 33, Jesus said, in the world, you will face trouble. So if um, I know most of you here, and uh, we've all faced our share of trouble. And uh, if you haven't faced trouble yet, wait till tomorrow. Amen? (laughs) And uh, so really, it's not, we've all heard, it's not what happens to us. It's how we are responding to what's happening to us. And uh, Isaiah 60, verse 2, perhaps it's talking about today and what's happening in our world today, says, Behold, darkness will cover the earth. But uh, even in the middle of great trouble happening all around, you and I seemingly uh, increasing uh, every day, uh, you and I are a bright light. Amen? And uh, we are the calm. Everybody say, "We we are the calm in the middle of the storm. Amen? That's you and me, because we have the light on the inside of us. So in the middle of the storm, we can be the calm. And um, adversity and mistakes of our past, they don't have to define us if they are looked at in the light of God's word. Rather, mistakes and adversity will prepare us for greater victories in the future. Amen? You know people, and I know people, that they they faced adversity um, many years ago. Maybe things were done to them. Maybe it was mistakes that they made. Whatever it was, they faced adversity. And from the point, that point in their life, they allowed that thing to forever define them. It forever, they, they took a lasso and they tied that thing around that adversity, that mistake, that situation, and then it forever held them back. 
and they didn't think they could go any farther. But if we look at that adversity in the light of God's word, then we'll recognize that it doesn't have to define us, that mistakes and adversity and difficult situations, they don't have to negatively define us. They can help qualify us to do unique and great things associated with those difficult situations. Amen? Amen. Everybody say, I believe it. James chapter 1, verses uh, 2 through 4. We'll start, if you have that, Reuben. Reuben, do you have all those different uh, versions of that? Nope. Do you, uh, do you have the New King James? I do have that. Awesome. Let's throw up the New King James. Well, I don't throw it up, but you can put it on the screen. <laughs> my brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Amen. Give Reuben a hand. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Oh, there's the message. That's even better. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when, you te when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Next scripture. You know that under pressure, like muscles, your faith life is forced into the open, and it shows its true colors. Next verse. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, de not deficient in any way. I have this scripture. It's James 1, 2 through 4 in several different translations. And, and so just allow this scripture to minister to you. Here's the good news trans translation. It says, my friends, consider yourself fortunate when all, all kinds of trials come your way. Because you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the ability is going to, the result is going to be the ability to endure. Make sure endurance carries you all the way without failing so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Here's God's word testament. Uh, testament. My brothers and sisters, be very happy when you are tested in different ways. You know that such testing of your faith produces endurance. Endure until your testing is over. There will be an end. Then you will be mature and complete, and you won't need anything. That particular translation really helped me when we were facing that difficult situation because it says there will be an end. Amen? So it says, endure until your testing is over because there will be an end. Then you will be mature and complete, and you won't need anything. And we already read the message version. And the New King James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Everybody say, lacking nothing. The way to muscle growth is to put muscles in adverse situations over and over again. The way to mature completeness in life is to overcome adversity over and over again. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bill said, whoop he do. I got some joy. It's another difficult situation. <laughs> I think the most amazing example in the Bible of a, of a person, especially a young person that overcame tremendous adversity and he allowed it to develop his character 
it showed his character, and God had an amazing plan at work. And, uh, uh, and because he uh, handled the adversity in the right way, God saw his faithfulness, and he promoted him to, to tremendous leadership. And uh, it's Joseph in the Old Testament. And uh, we named our youngest son uh, after this Joseph. And uh, it's one of my favorite people in the Bible. And um, you know the story, but when Joseph was 17 years old, he, he started, uh, you know, God was giving him dreams, and he started dreaming of, of what he was going to do in life like most young people do. He was dreaming, you know, dreaming big dreams, and he started sharing those dreams with his 11 brothers, and his 11 brothers should have been happy for him, right? Playing football in the backyard, yeah, Joseph, good dreams, buddy. No, they got jealous of him, and uh, they hated him because of it. And uh, hated him so much that uh, one day they were out working in the field uh, far from home. And uh, they started plotting how they would kill him. And uh, uh, a couple of them came up with an idea. It's like, okay, let's not kill him. Let's dig a hole and throw him in it. And, and so um, then they decided, well, no, let's, uh, let's dig him in a hole. He eventually gets thrown in a hole and then sold to slave traders, Egyptian slave traders. He was uh, Hebrew, so he got sold to people he didn't even know their language, took him to a different country, would have been Egypt, right? Took him to Egypt, uh, far from his home, and uh, he became a slave. And uh, he became a slave of a powerful military commander. And uh, there's no indication from the moment things started going sideways in Joseph's life, there's no indication that he ever had bitterness towards his brothers. And uh, the people that should have uh, encouraged him, should have loved him, uh, they should have been close, you know, betrayed him, hated him, did horrible things to him. Hard for us to probably comprehend what they did to him. Sold him into slavery. His own brothers, right? And so um, now... Now he's put into slavery for a powerful military commander, and, and things are going well for him, um, even uh, in, a, in a horrible situation, in a land where he doesn't speak the language and has no family, has no friends, and uh, made a slave. And Genesis 39 says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and he served him. And uh, then he made him, the man made Joseph overseer of all of his house and everything that he had, he put under Joseph's authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything that he had in the house and in the field. The story goes on. Uh, the man was away, and uh, the commander's wife uh, thought Joseph was attractive, starts hitting on Joseph, starts coming on to him. He resists her. Uh, it looks like it happened multiple times and um, in terms of her, her coming on to him. And uh, eventually she comes up with this evil scheme to make it look like he raped her or tried to rape her. And so um, the, uh, her husband comes home. Uh, she tells him the story. Naturally, he's upset. So he takes this honorable man who's done nothing wrong, who has now been falsely accused of rape, and he sends him to prison. 
the dungeon. And so now Joseph is in a foreign land where he doesn't speak the language. He has no friends, no family. He's been betrayed by his family. Now he's been shamed because everyone thinks that he raped his master's wife. He's been falsely accused of rape. It should have been over for this young man. Because this difficult situation started happening when he was 17 years old. He had every right to go sit in a corner, put his head between his knees, and just whine. (laughs) Right? He really did. If anyone deserved to have that type of pitiful, sorry attitude, it was this young man, based on what he had been through. And... um, it's amazing to me, there, there, there's not a lot in the early story, there's not a lot where, where you see uh, any of his conversations or what he said to others, but there is one indication in Genesis 40, chapter 7. Um, it says, uh, uh, so Joseph walked in and he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him uh, in the prison, and he said, why do you guys look so sad today? And uh, to me, it's a real glimpse into a young person's heart that having been through all those things himself, he was still looking at other people who were in the same situation as him and looking to encourage them. Why are you guys down today? Why do you look so sad? And they probably looked at him like he was absolutely crazy. And he said, you're unbelievable. We're in prison, <laughs> right? You have no family. You have no friends. You've been falsely accused of rape. And you're asking us why we're so sad today? I think it's a, it's a glimpse into his heart. And, and we see later on uh, what happens in his life. The, uh, the king has some dreams, and uh, uh, word gets out that Joseph is a man of wisdom. Even in the prison, uh, it, it says that he was then put in charge of everything in the prison just because of his faithfulness and the way that he carried himself. And even in the middle of that type of situation, must have had a tremendous positive attitude. And love for other people. Uh, uh, And it's amazing considering what he was up against. And um, so the king uh, hears about him. And and, and in one day, uh, he called called him out. uh, Verse 14 of Genesis 41 says, Pharaoh uh, sent and he called Joseph. They brought him out quickly out of the dungeon. They shaved him. They changed his clothing. And he came to Pharaoh. And so he he stood in front of him. And he was able to interpret the the dream like nobody else was. Um, long story short, 12 chapters of Genesis, this into compressed to this amount of time, Pharaoh promoted him and he gave him the signet ring, which means he could stamp laws into effect. And, uh, he, he put him in charge of everything in the land. There was a huge famine for seven years and Joseph came up with a plan to, to, that all the people would bring grain and uh, save the grain. And, and so eventually, after this huge famine in this whole area of the Middle East and, and Northern Africa, there was no food. And so countries were coming from all over uh, that region, or people were coming from all over that region to get food. And Joseph was in charge of all the food. The same young man that was betrayed by his brothers, falsely accused of rape, falsely sentenced to prison, should have been written off, but he was faithful. Amen? Everybody say faithful. And God promoted him. God was looking for someone he could entrust with tremendous authority. Amen? He's still looking for those same people today. And if you and I can be found faithful, he'll give us unlimited resources to to manifest his will on this earth, just like he did Joseph. 
the king, Pharaoh, committed all of Egypt's resources. They put it under Joseph's control, put it under Joseph's command. Whatever he said went. He had control of all the food during a seven-year famine. People were coming from all over the region begging for food, and it all went at Joseph's words. The same young man that at age 17 was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. But throughout that difficult period in his life, that great adversity prepared him and uniquely qualified him to serve in a capacity that was related to his adversity because he had proven himself faithful. Amen? He had proven himself as the type of person that would never hold bitterness towards another person, that would always see people uh, as valuable, that he would care about people. Amen? And so he was entrusted with all of the resources. Well, guess who comes along at the end of the story? His brothers. His 11 brothers come back, and they need food. They, don't know, they haven't heard about him in years. It's actually, uh, it says he was age 30. So 13 years later, they haven't heard about him. They don't know where he is. They have no idea. All they know is there's food in Egypt. And so they travel, and they get to Egypt. And it said, uh, when Joseph saw them, he ran over to them. He smacked him in the face. No, he did not. Listen to his heart, the type of person that he was. He um, they didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. He knew who they were, and uh, they were standing before him asking for food. Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. They came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, do not be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God has sent me before you to preserve your life. Verse 8. It was not you who sent me here. God did. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. And he has made me the Lord of all of his house. He has made me the ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Verse 11, I will provide for you. I'll provide for you and your household so that you don't come into poverty because there are still five more years of famine. Oh, this was only two years into it. Verse 18, he said, bring your father, bring your households, come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you will eat the fat of the lamb. Do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. It goes on, and he, he really blessed him. It's an amazing story, you know? He had every right to hold on to such bitterness because of what they did to him, but he didn't. He saw his plan, or he saw his life in light of God's will for his life. Amen? And I'm not talking about God up there manipulating our lives and causing hurtful things to happen just to mess with us to see if we can stand the test. That's not God's heart. That would not be our heart for our children, so that's not God's heart. But when difficult things happen and when we go through difficult situations on planet Earth, because it's a fallen earth, when we go through difficult situations, if we'll look at those situations in light of God's word and see them the way God sees them and see ourselves the way God sees us, then we'll, uh, he'll, he can use those, those difficult situations so that we can be uniquely qualified to do great things related to that adversity. Amen? 
James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it a sheer gift, my friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Because you, not, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced out into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Amen. Some of you are saying, surely I'm well-developed and mature, finally. I'm pretty sure this is a lifelong process for us. Amen? And as we continue to pass the test and continue to allow adversity to work in our heart and have a tender heart towards people and a positive outlook on life, then God can use those things in our life for good. Amen? If we get bitter and we get angry and we feel sorry for ourselves, then we'll be stuck. We'll forever define ourselves according to that adversity, and we'll be stuck right there. But if we can allow each difficult situation, allow that thing to work in us, amen? amen, and see that thing the way God sees it in our life and see ourselves the way God sees us, then he can use it for good in our life. Great adversity, great trouble in Joseph's, Joseph's life demonstrated character, and it developed his character. He responded in love, and that love for other people enabled Joseph to not consider himself, but to consider others. And Jesus said, let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also the interests of other people. Amen? Amen. Perhaps two types of adversity that you and I may continue to face. Personal adversity things that we go through personally. Jesus said when we identify with him, we're going to suffer like he suffered. He suffered in two ways, temptation and persecution. Jesus did not suffer poverty. He didn't suffer sickness. He suffered persecution and temptation. So if we're going to identify with Jesus, we will suffer persecution. And I don't know about you, but as I grow in the Lord, the greatest amount of suffering that I personally face is temptation to overcome that temptation, amen, to be the man I know I want to be. That's the greatest suffering for me as I grow in the Lord. Hopefully keep growing in the Lord, amen? amen. And it's real suffering to o overcome temptation, amen? That's one type of adversity, personal adversity. Other adversity that we're going to continue to face, maybe on an increasing basis, is things happening around us. As, as darkness seems to cover the earth more and more. Amen? But thank God, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? And I'm going to wrap it up with this. Four keys to overcoming adversity in life. Number one, Focus on Jesus. Remember Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus over our situations. Jesus is light. His name is greater than any circumstance or situation that you and I will face. And he will bring us peace 
in the middle of difficult situations. Amen? Supernatural peace comes through the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. We speak his name over every situation, and he brings light, and he brings peace into the middle of situations. Amen? He supernaturally delivered us from that suit. And that $600,000 suit, we wound up paying uh, $20,000, and we paid it off. When did we make that last payment? About a year ago? About a year ago, paid off the 20 grand, done. He supernaturally delivered us from that suit because we spoke, I'm convinced, we spoke the name of Jesus over that situation. And we said, Father, I thank you. No weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Number two, be joyful. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so if we're facing a difficult situation, we need strength. Amen? And so find joy in the middle of difficult situations. His joy is our strength. Number one, remember Jesus. Number two, be joyful. Number three, focus on the positive. Focus on helping other people in the middle of difficult situations. Focus on... What specific and great things will this adversity uniquely qualify us to do? Amen? Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You guys want to come up? Awesome. Thank you so much. And number four, I just think it's amazing what Joseph said. You know, his brothers, once they recognized it was him, I don't know if they were scared, embarrassed, ashamed, Afraid, what they must have felt knowing what they did to that teenage boy and now seeing the man of great authority that he had become. They had to be scared. And instead of responding with the authority that he had been given, he could have done anything to them. Instead of responding out of his flesh or what he would have wanted to do, you know, the things that, that you know, maybe... A normal person may have meditated over the years. Here's what I'm going to do to them if I ever have an opportunity to do this to them based on what they did to me. Amen? He didn't do that. He responded with such gracious love for them. It's amazing. And you can see if we'll have that type of attitude and grateful heart and not hold on to bitterness and just love people, God will entrust us with with great things. Amen.